point of view. You're an honest to goodness, good person, trying your best to navigate your life and this world according to the people and values you hold most dear. You get on your phone or your computer and you are bombarded with stories about another mass shooting in the United States, this time at an elementary school. Your heart sinks and you're flooded with grief, fear, rage, all the feels. You know things need to change. In fact, you're one of the 90% of Americans that believe we need gun reform. Then you hear politicians like Ted Cruz address the media in a way that results in you being confused and deeply conflicted. What is happening? Why do so many good people end up conflicted and confused in situations like this? In today's special episode, I decided to go solo and I'm going to take on the topic of gaslighting and politics. I'm Sarah Morales, the host of this podcast. Before I get into today's topic, I wanted to say that if you have a topic like today's, or perhaps a question or situation that you'd like me to unpack in an episode, please head over to sarahmoralescoaching.com and submit your question. I'll have a link in the show notes for you. So the word of the day today is diversion. Cullen's English Dictionary defines diversion as an action or event that attracts your attention away from what you are doing or concentrating on. You may also hear the word deflection, which is a synonym. We are going to see these two things or this thing over and over again in today's topic. When it comes to this often used gaslighting tactic, what we want to pay attention to is whether or not our questions or concerns are ever actually being answered or addressed. When we do pay close attention, we will find that almost always our questions and our concerns are not being answered or addressed. So let's jump right into story time. You may wonder why I decided to tackle this topic that can be so polarizing, and I'll tell you why. Here's my point of view. My first few thoughts after I found out about the recent school shooting here in Texas. After the initial shock, grief, and rage, I thought about all my friends and colleagues that have kiddos in elementary school, and while my heart went out to them, I sighed a sigh of relief. You see, my youngest son just graduated high school. So I kind of thought to myself, I'm so glad my kids are out of school and I don't have to worry about that with my kids. But then it hit me like a fucking ton of bricks. My oldest son is working towards his degree in elementary education. Fuck. He is not safe. You see, we live in Austin, Texas, and especially here in Texas, where we have had eight mass shootings in the last 13 years and four of the 13 worst mass shootings since 1991 have been in this state of Texas. He's not safe. Not surprising since Texas has some of the most lenient gun laws in the United States, including a permitless carry, which requires neither training nor permit to carry a handgun. So this is personal. I'm not just jumping on social media, you know, the frenzy that is happening here in our country and around the world because I'm trying to get some play. 
Real lives are at risk. And I feel a responsibility to use whatever platform I have, however big or small it may be. I have the knowledge and the ability to pull back the curtain and shout out from the rooftops about the insidious gaslighting that I see happening in the political realm. Now, I want to note, I'm not saying in a particular party, I'm saying in the political realm. My fellow Americans, we must wake up to the manipulation and gaslighting that many, if not most, politicians do that keep us fucking asleep at the wheel. So let's move on to the bulk of today's episode with the deconstruction zone. First, wanted to let you know I'll be using a conversation that my senator, Ted Cruz, had with a British reporter to be my example of how politicians use gaslighting to confuse people, put their values into conflict, and keep their base voting for them. Now, I could have used any number of... um, conversations from any number of politicians. But again, I am feeling passionate and moved and responsible to speak about this gun reform issue. And it's personal to me because he's my senator, right? So let me say what I said earlier another way. We must wake up to the fact that if we're not paying attention to the political gaslighting that is happening, especially around gun reform in the United States, we will almost assuredly keep voting for people that we otherwise wouldn't. That's the whole point. The most prolific gaslighters use diversion to get us to focus on only the things that they want us to focus on by manipulating us around the things we feel strongly about or value. It's kind of like sleight of hand. I'll keep you distracted with this shiny object in my right hand while I do horrible things with my left. This diversion keeps these gaslighting politicians in whatever position they hold. It allows them to get away with their agendas that actually don't serve us because they keep us distracted. Again, we must wake up and do better. I will deconstruct my example to show how this happens. Before I get to the conversation, a little bit of history and or some facts that I believe are important to state because of their relevance to the conversation that I will be de- deconstructing. So when you hear my Senator Ted Cruz um, twist facts, twist statements, misspeak, um, you'll have the facts like in your brain, right? So over the span of his career, Cruz's campaigns have received the most donations of any senator from gun lobbyists at $442,000. Now, this is according to Open Secrets, a nonprofit dedicated to tracking money surrounding America's elections. Now, this is important because it speaks to the motivation for the gaslighting he does because he wants to um, keep getting that money from his gun lobbyists. So he needs to push a very loose gun laws and gun reform, right? Like he doesn't want it because it doesn't serve him and his ability to get money from the gun lobbyists. New point, the correlation between mental illness and gun violence, right? This is something that a lot of people that are anti-gun reform like to say, well, you know, you can't just go any anytime some mentally ill person, some psychopath or, you know, blah, 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 all mental illness takes the blame. So let's take a look at this for a second. 
There's been a study done where they took 14 countries that are all kind of very similar in a lot of important demographics, um, and those would be um, the U.S., Canada, France, Switzerland, Germany, Italy, Japan, Australia, New Zealand, Ireland, the U.K., Spain, Israel, and Norway. And what we see is that while the prevalence of mental illness is really close between all of those 14 countries, the U.S. alone is stands apart from the rest of amount of deaths, gun deaths specifically, per 100,000 people, right? All the 13 other countries come in at 2.5 deaths per 100,000 people or less. The United States comes in at 11.9, almost 12, right? So that is a huge leap. So if mental illness was the blame, why wouldn't all those other countries also be having the same rate. It doesn't track, right? So I want to read a quote because I also think that this is um, really revealing. Um, So I'm going to read a quote from the Los Angeles Times by David Lauder. Uh, He's the senior editor, and it was dated May 27th, 2022. He says, go back roughly 15 years. In 2005, California had almost the same rate of deaths from guns as Florida or Texas. California had 9.5 firearm deaths per 100,000 people that year. Florida had 10 and Texas 11. According to data from the National Center for Health Statistics, right? So that's some pretty solid stats. These three states, some of the three biggest populations, um, in our in our country, and then also very similar death rates, gun death rates per 100,000 people. Since then, however, California repeatedly has tightened its gun laws, while Florida and Texas have moved in the opposite direction. California's rate of gun deaths has declined by 10% since two th- 2005, even as the national rate has climbed, right? So while the rest of the United States it's climbed. California has gone down. And Texas and Florida, their rates of gun deaths have climbed 28% and 37% respectively. California now has one of the 10 lowest rates of gun deaths in the nation because of their gun reform laws, because of tightening their gun reform laws. So when these politicians that are pro-guns say tightening gun laws is not going to do any difference. It's not going to prevent these things. Bullshit. I throw my bullshit flag at that. Continuing with the quote, obviously factors beyond a state's laws can affect the state of firearm deaths. The national health statistics take into account differences in the age distribution of state populations, but they don't control for every factor that might affect gun deaths. Equally clearly, no law stops all shootings right? Of course, not possible. But California's strict laws didn't stop the shooting at a Taiwanese church in Laguna Woods earlier this month. And there's no question that Chicago suffers from a large number of gun-related homicides despite strict gun control laws in Illinois. However, a large percentage of the guns used in those crimes In California, where there are strict gun laws, in Illinois, where there are strict gun laws, the guns used in those crimes come across the border from neighboring states that have loose gun laws. So those are some facts 
and some statistics that um, I felt were important to put out there uh, while we look at this conversation between a British reporter and my senator, Ted Cruz. Okay, so I'm going to read it first and then I'm going to go through it and deconstruct it. So here's the conversation. Uh, Ted Cruz starts off by saying, there are 19 sets of parents who are never going to get to kiss their kids goodnight again. Cruz began saying in a clip of the interview, is this the moment to reform gun laws? Sky News reporter Mark Stone asked the senator. You know, it's easy to go to politics, Cruz said. Stone interjected, saying, but it's important. It's at the heart of the issue. I get that that's where the media likes to go, Cruz said. He continued, the proposals from Democrats and the media inevitably when some violent psychopath murders people. Stone then spoke. A violent psychopath who's able to get a weapon so easily. An 18-year-old with two AR-15s, replied Cruz. If you want to stop violent crime, the proposals the Democrats have, none of them would have stopped this. But why does this only happen in your country, Stone said. I, I should try to do it with a British accent. No, I won't. <laughs> I really think that's what many people around the world just, they cannot fathom. Why? Only in America. Why is this American exceptionalism so awful? To which Cruz shook his head. Cruz walked... Uh, Cruz walked off a few moments later after touching both of Stone's shoulders and saying, you know what? You've got your political agenda. God love you. Stone followed Cruz, continuing to press the senator for an answer. And eventually, Cruz stopped to respond. Why is it that people come from all over the world to America? This is the freest, most prosperous, safest country on earth. And stop being a propagandist, he said before walking out the door. Now let's deconstruct this, okay? Um, because I think it's important to understand and to reveal what is going on and why conversations like this can throw a lot of good people into conflict and confusion, right? So I'm going to start off with the conversation where the British um, reporter asked the question, is this the moment to reform gun laws? Okay. And Cruz responds, you know, it's easy to go to politics. I'm going to deconstruct this sentence. Cruz is attempting to undermine the validity of the question by being condescending with the use of the word easy, while also attempting to ignore the question while shifting the focus onto an emotionally charged word, politics. He is attempting to invalidate a legitimate question. Gun reform laws have proven to reduce gun violence, both in our country and around the world. So, you know, again, Stone interjected, but it's important. It's at the heart of the issue, right? So Cruz says, I get that's where media, the media likes to go. Again, Cruz is attempting to invalidate the legitimacy of the reporter's statement that gun reform is an important conversation. He does this by changing reality through his singling out the media, right? Uh, let me go back to that. I get that's where the media likes to go, okay? Um, the media often gets the blame when uh, as a diversionary tactic, right? Because he knows that his base does not trust the media, right? So if I can put some blame on the media 
And I can single out the media as the only ones who feel that this is an important conversation, then that subconsciously will eke in to his base, to his followers, to the people that vote for him. Yeah, the media are the one who wanted to make this a uh, discussion. And it doesn't really need to be a discussion. No, it does. It's an important conversation. The people in the media are not the only ones who want to talk about gun reform in times like this. So many people, millions and millions and millions of people who have nothing to do with the media want to have this conversation. They feel that it's an important conversation and that it's at the heart of the issue. But Cruz tries to deflect and get people to to make that thought illegitimate by putting it on the media. Okay, so this is especially important to point out again, like I said, because he knows his base have a distrust of the media. So if he links the statement of his uh, sorry of this being an important conversation as something connected to or better yet coming from the media, it hooks that distrust. He now has implanted in his base a connection that will likely ding a mistrust of gun reform being at the heart of the issue of mass shootings. So let's go on. He continued, the proposals from Democrats and the media, inevitably, when some violent psychopath murders people. Here, Cruz is using stigmatizing verbiage to confuse and rile up his base. He is attempting to discredit proposals of gun reform by distorting the facts and manipulating manipulating reality to again shift blame away from our gun laws and onto the mental health community which per the facts i read earlier is not true it's not accurate he is twisting and distorting facts to serve his purpose and his agenda so then stone spoke a violent psychopath who's able to get a weapon so easily an 18 year old with two ar15s replied Cruz, if you want to stop violent crime, the proposals the Democrats have, none of them would have stopped this. So here Cruz is presenting half-truths as fact, right? Not half-truths as not as full truths in an attempt, again, to divert the blame. He is attempting to brainwash his base to accept these half-truths as fact so that he gets away with continuing to not do the work needed to be done to minimize the potential for these mass murders. There's no possible way to know with 100% certainty that gun reform laws would not have stopped this from happening. It could have. It could have deterred this person from doing what he did in so many ways. And yet Cruz says with absolute certainty, as if it's a fact, this wouldn't have stopped. Gun reform laws wouldn't have stopped this from happening. He can't know that. So then the reporter asked the questions about, you know, why does this only happen in your country? I think that people around the world are, you know, trying to understand. Um, and then he uses the phrase American exceptionalism, um, right, which is something I actually was introduced to um, Boy, when I was a teenager and I started doing my first mission stuff and um, exceptionalism, you could also call it ethnocentrism. Um, it's where a country believes that they're better than all the rest. Right. Um, and I remember as a 16 year old being in Africa and the, the African people telling me that they can um, they can tell the difference between white Americans and white Europeans 
um, without hearing their accents, um, without asking them where they're from, purely by the way they carried themselves and how loud they were. <laughs> because apparently Americans often have this energy about them that is fairly loud. And, and I didn't like it. <laughs> right? Like I was like, you know, you're talking about us Americans bad, but you know, as I sat back and watched, I saw in my, my many years of being in missions work, I saw the difference between Americans and Europeans. And um, I'm not here to bash America. Listen, I'm an American. And at the same time, there is this thing about quite a few Americans where we believe that we're the best country in the world and that makes us better than everybody else. And it's just not the way um, I choose to live or believe about this beautiful world that has many beautiful countries with amazing, wonderful people and amazing, wonderful cultures. And yet that phrase, American exceptionalism, um, was where Ted Cruz saw his out, right? So he shook his head. He walked off touched, you know, Stone's shoulders, said, you know what, you've got your political agenda, God love you, and left, right? Again, here Cruz is trying to discredit or invalidate the reporter's question. People all around the world do want to know the why. I've got clients from many other countries, and they grieve for us as Americans. They don't understand. They're sitting back and they're watching angered and sad because we are not doing what we can to stop our children and teachers or grocery shoppers from being gunned down with assault rifles. He, Cruz, is trying to invalidate this question by diverting the focus away from the question and exaggerating what the reporter is doing by saying his question stems from an agenda. And, you know, I make up, maybe he does have an agenda, but his agenda is seeking answers or truth. Cruz is implying here that his agenda is to, you know, I mean, I don't even know what Cruz is honestly is trying to imply here other than something negative, right? Stop having an agenda. Stop being a propagandist. Like you just want to, you know, like everybody's against the fucking Republicans, whatever, right? Like, no, this Porter's agenda is to get answers. So Stone followed Cruz, continue to press a senator, et cetera. So then Cruz, this is where we're going to end with me de deconstructing the uh, conversation. Cruz ends the conversation by saying, why is it that people come from all over the world to America? This is the freest, most prosperous, safest country on earth. And stop being a propagandist, he said before he walked out the door. So here, I think this is <laughs> to me, it's so ridiculous, y'all. Um, I, I mean, I just want to shake my head. Because Cruz ignores the question by overstating that people come from all over the world because it's so great here in America. Honestly, his response shows the exceptionalism that the reporter asked about. He states, this is the best place. It's the freest. It's the most prosperous. All of these things. But is the U.S. the freest? You know, I got curious. I was thinking, well, what about Switzerland or Canada? Like some of these other countries that potentially could be the freest. So I Googled it. It's Canada. Hey, thanks all y'all can can Canadians. I have quite a few Canadian uh, colleagues and um, clients. And I'm just like, can you sponsor me? Hey, <laughs> right. So, and, and anyways, how do we rate a free country? Right? Like how do, how come Cruz gets to say that we're the freest country? Does, does he have data to back that up? Free of what? And is this the safest country? Again, a quick Google search reveals the U.S. isn't even in the top 10. We are not even in the top 10, and yet he is saying we are the freest. 
and safest. And what about most prosperous? He said safest, freest, most prosperous. Again, quick Google search reveals the US didn't even make the top five. I didn't go past that because I didn't really care, honestly. My point is that these words, these things that he has been saying are false. He is twisting the truth and he is using words that and values that he knows that he has been trained to use to continue to appeal to the values of his base in an attempt to brainwash them into believing that his stance is the only legitimate one to have, that gun reform is ridiculous, that it's all anti-freedom propaganda, that it won't work, that gun reform will rob people of their freedom, etc. He uses these things knowing that he is manipulating and gaslighting his base because he wants to get away with his agenda. This is where I want to take the time to answer the question in my intro. How does this happen? How do good people who want to live according to their values and do right by their neighbors and all of these things, how do they end up confused and in conflict, right? This is how when politicians ignore the facts, redirect conversations, shift the blame, and then blatantly twist the facts and use people's values against them. Let me say that again. They twist things in such a way that they are able to use people's values against them. The result, people's connection to their knowing gets foggy. People get manipulated by being riled up and then steered into ignoring whole parts of their knowing. People's attention gets diverted so that they don't take in all the facts or the whole picture. And lastly, people are brainwashed that they are being threatened in one way or another. And this activates a trauma response, which then takes them out of a place of curiosity and problem solving and instead kicks up the fight response. The end result is a person who is more vulnerable to believing what their gaslighting politician is saying as truth and supporting them while they continue to act in ways that are not in the best interest of our country. So let's see how we can turn this into some tools as we set our alarm. I have two different alarms today. Number one, if you fall into the group of people who have unknowingly been falling into the trap of political gaslighting, my tip for you is to slow down and get curious. Fact check like I did. Ask yourself if you have any values in conflict. You're not a bad person. You have values that are in conflict. Ask yourself with compassion and love, but also with diligence and accountability self-sacred accountability. Am I making any concessions for this political person or stance? Try to find someone who can have patience and will listen with empathy and understanding where you can ask questions with your intention being to find the truth, even if that means you will need to admit that you were mistaken and or misled. Tip or alarm number two. If you fall into the group of people who are desperate to have conversations with people you care about, who are the ones who have likely unknowingly fallen into the trap of political gaslighting, my tip for you is to also slow down and get curious, but a little bit differently. Ask yourself 
what values of theirs might be in conflict. Ask yourself why they might unknowingly be making concessions. And when it comes time to talk with them, start with empathy and curiosity. I know it's hard, especially when we feel so strongly about things, but this is exactly the time for checking our ego and approaching the person through love and relationship, looking to build bridges and to get to shared meaning. Now note, this is for personal relationships. I'm not talking about confronting the political person themselves or any other actions you want to take to protest or to speak up socially, et cetera. Right? This is how we, we do relational stuff. Okay. Um, and then tip number three for everyone pay attention, stay awake to character, note inconsistencies, especially where the politician uses a principle in one situation, then pushes against the same principle in another situation. Okay. I don't know about you, but this was an intense one. I know I took on a potentially polarizing issue. I hope that I have helped you see and or think about some new things. I hope that I have challenged you to seek out truth with empathy for yourself and for others. If you have questions, please contact me via my website, sarahmoralescoaching.com. As I wrap up, I'd love to invite you to come be a guest on my podcast. You know where to find me. And remember, my sweet listeners, It's not about becoming who you want to be. It's about awakening to all that you already are. And maybe today more than ever, I leave you with the anthem of this podcast. Not today. We got stars in the eye.